as far as Mother's Day goes, so the intent behind Mother's Day was that the lady that started it, she wanted to just really have a day to where she just appreciates her mom and just all the sacrifices that her mom made. And she's like, well, we need to like just start a day where we just recognize that. And the intentions behind that obviously are good. You know, she felt like she had been blessed with a good mom that had really helped her out and uh, was there for her. So she wanted to get a day for that. Eventually dedicated day so she would write uh, senators and she would write Congress and talk with important people and say, hey, how can we kind of make this thing happen? Um, and obviously, eventually, it happened. She got a push and it made it happen back in, I think, 1908 was the first one, over 100 years ago. Now, probably was she wasn't in thinking and wasn't intending at all was the other side of Mother's Day. The other side of Mother's Day is that it could be a painful day for any number of reasons. Um, a mom may have passed away recently. Uh, a mom may not have been all the qualities and things that you hope would be in a great mother and so when you got to pick out that card and try and find things for Mother's Day that express how you care and feel about them you don't really care or feel about that way so that could be a really difficult process and so there kind of was some other baggage attached to the fact of hey let's create Mother's Day which I don't think the lady that started it she didn't really intend that but it you know it just kind of went that way and you know, people are people and sometimes just mess up and make mistakes. But what we want to try and do this morning is uh, celebrate the fact of women that have done well and try and recognize that. Because that was kind of the original spirit of it. And, uh, you know, if you've lost a mom recently and, or um, there's a bad experience surrounding motherhood... Uh, apologies aren't enough and it doesn't make you know some of that pain go away um, but it's also a good opportunity anyways this morning to kind of reflect back upon that and uh, maybe try and find some forgiveness in there somewhere but what today we're going to try and do is try and relive the original spirit of hey let's celebrate moms let's celebrate what she's done for us uh, all the sacrifices that she's made and uh, take a look at some things so what we have what we're going to do is we're going to cover a passage today from 2 Kings. We'll take a break from Acts, but we'll take a look at 2 Kings. And we'll look back at her in a second. Here's a nice little poem. I thought just to like, get us started off, just thinking about Mother's Day. Look at some poems, look at some quotes, and just kind of get us thinking about moms and what they do and kind of what's involved there. So this was a, a nice poem that I found. I don't know who wrote it, uh, but it, it was like a prayer slash poem. It says, Dear Lord, it's such a hectic day with little time to stop and pray. For life's been anything but calm since you called on me to be a mom. Running errands, matching socks, building dreams with building blocks, cooking, cleaning, and finding shoes, and all that other stuff that children lose. Fitting lids on bottled bugs, wiping tears and giving hugs, a stack of last week's mail to read. So where's the quiet time I need? Yet when I steal a minute, Lord, just at the sink or ironing board, to ask the blessings of your grace I see then, in my small one's face, that you have blessed me all the while, and I stop to kiss that precious smile. Right? That's kind of a nice poem. Just kind of combining both factors there. She's trying to get some quiet time and talking about all the things she does during the day as far as, you know, cooking and cleaning things and looking at the mail and all that stuff. And 
seeing that face. On the next one here, I'm going to have to click it from back there, Josh. Write one nice quote. A mother is a person who, seeing there are only four pieces of pie for five people, promptly announces she never did care for pie. All right, that would be mom right there. You know, taking one for the team and acting like it doesn't bother her at all. Um, another one, right? The phrase, working mother, is redundant. I mean, come on, right? Absolutely. And we got another one there. If evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? <laughs> right? <laughs> evolution and uh, natural selection would have seen that, hey, she needs a lot more than that. So, we'll go back. So here's the picture of the lady that started it all. She's the one. Um, Anna Jarvis. Anna Jarvis. And so what I'll do is I'll just read like a little excerpt kind of, of what she thought about Mother's Day, what the deal was, where it all started from. Because I'm always interested in like, where did things start? Like, are we where like, they wanted to go? So let's, let's take a look. And I'll just read just a couple of things on here. Not a lot. And we'll kind of see what her idea of Mother's Day, what she had in mind. So it says, Anna Jarvis, I laid up there. Never married. Interesting. Never a mother. Campaigned for almost a decade to dedicate a day to honor mothers. She chose a Sunday because she wanted it to be a quote-unquote holy day, not a holiday. And the second Sunday in May because it was the anniversary of the death of her own beloved mother. Right? So right away you just see that. She wasn't a mom herself, didn't have any kids, and she wanted the second Sunday because that was when her mom passed. says, Jarvis wanted us to show our mothers how much their devotion and sacrifice matters, how we esteem the truth, purity, and broad charity of mother love. She expected us to do it with simple gestures. In her opinion, a single white carnation, I couldn't get white, couldn't get them really, single white carnation and a heartfelt letter were best. Those are the two things that she thought would really just, that's what makes Mother's Day happen, a heartfelt written, handwritten letter and a carnation. Her carnations were handed out at the first Mother's Day ceremony exactly a hundred years ago. Right, and so that's what we're trying to do. Hey, try and keep the spirit of that alive a little bit and try and take, take up on that. So I had a fun time writing a letter. It's been a long time since I wrote my mom a handwritten letter, but man, she's going to love it. She's going to love it. Um, so we'll skip down a little bit. So it says, Legend has it that a 12-year-old Anna uh, overheard her mother, Anna Reeves Jar Jarvis, tell her Sunday school class of her wish for a day to commemorate mothers for the contribution to all fields of life. The elder Jarvis was well known in Grafton for her charity work with local mothers and her efforts to use motherhood as a healing tool for the community divided by the Civil War. Right, so during that Civil War time, people were divided. She wanted to kind of create this day. So it says, when Anne Reeves Jarvis died in 1905, Anna, the one that's up there, began her campaign for Mother's Day. Tirelessly writing letters to politicians, businessmen, and religious leaders. And then, so now, we'll kind of fast forward a little bit to kind of how things closed, because it's interesting how things closed. It says, indeed, Jarvis spent her considerable inheritance and the rest of her life fighting the commercialization of her holiday. It was a losing battle. Anna Jarvis died in 1948, bitter, blind, partially deaf, and completely penniless in a Pennsylvania mental institution. So the very thing she worked for her whole life, really, to make Mother's Day happen, and she got it, and then she spent the second half of her life trying to get rid of it. 
And she was trying to get rid of it because, at least in her perspective, in her opinion, her vision was, it's a day just to sit down with mom, just spend quality time, doesn't have to be a huge production, write her a letter, just have a deep conversation that matters, and maybe a flower or something. And she just, uh, she was not a big fan of what kind of, where we're at now as far as buying the cards and getting the stuff and buying all these other types of things. She thought that the real meaning kind of got lost. And so she wanted to fight all that commercialization and she spent the rest of her money and uh, kind of went out not the way probably she hoped. Um, but I, I think it was worthwhile just to look at that this morning to see like where did it originate from, where did Mother's Day really come from and what was she thinking. So we're going to be in 2 Kings. So if you got your Bible, we'll be in 2 Kings, Old Testament, and we'll take a look there, kind of towards the front, before Chronicles. And we're going to look at a woman who, we don't even have her name, but she's actually pretty important and a good person to talk about on Mother's Day because uh, she definitely had some difficulties in life. She had a, uh, not an easy family to work with. Um, the least father in that household was sort of pretty passive, and so she kind of took the reins a little bit and helped out. And so let's let's read this story and see what happened here. So we'll be in Second Kings chapter four, and we're going to be in verse eight. So it says, one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. So he stops by this town. There's a woman that's you know pretty well to do, does okay, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat, right? Who's the guy that's going to turn down a nice free meal, probably at a nice house? I mean, why would you turn that down? She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put, it in, a, and put in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. So it's interesting you get a picture of her right away, just kind of her attitude and her mindset is, hey, let's kind of help this guy out and thinking about his needs and how they can really try and help meet those needs. And she wants to provide like a whole little apartment for him whenever he's in town. Hey, come hang out with us. So in verse 11 it says, One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant, he always traveled with this guy, Gehazi. And he says, call the Shunammite. Then that's the woman. We don't know her name. So he just says, call the Shunammite because she was from the area of Shunam. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? So we want to help you guys out. We want to reciprocate this a little bit. Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? You know, what can we really do for you? Um... And I don't know, I'd probably want to capitalize on that opportunity a little bit, you know, and get something good out of the deal. But she replies, I have a, a home among my people. Basically, I'm all set. I'm happy to be at home. You know, life is going okay. I love my family. Things probably aren't perfect. Uh, certainly not as we're going to see because she actually has something really big going on that's a huge deal. Um, but she says, no, you know what, I'm okay. And the key word really being there is that she's just content really where life is at. She's just satisfied where it is and with 
kind of the lot that God has given her in life, and she's okay with that. So it says, Then Gehazi said, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. That is a very big deal, right? The lady is really bearing up until this point. And if you're Jewish, at this point uh, in time in history, and you're Hebrew, and you know you can't have children, that is just... You know, that, that's just awful. You feel awful because it was just such a prized thing to have a child. Especially a boy. But at least have some children. And then it really, at least in that culture, gave a lot of that sense of value and worth to the woman because then she could bear the children. And so she doesn't have that. And so in verse 15, it says, Then Elisha said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you're going to have a son in your arms. <laughs> so she goes, oh no. Don't mislead your servant. Don't get my hopes up on this one. Like this, we shouldn't play around with this, you know. Like maybe something else, but I don't know. So in verse 17, sure enough, the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that time, she gave birth to a son. Just as Elisha had told her. So it actually comes to fruition. It says the child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. So he was old enough, and he's outside working in the fields. And he goes, my head, my head, he said to his father. And we're not quite sure what happened. Maybe he fell down, or had sunstroke, or had, I, who knows. And his father told the servant, goes, carry him to his mother. As, you know, go bring him to his mom. So in verse 20, it says, after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother... The boy sat on her lap until noon. And then he died. And what a just an awful situation, right? You can just imagine just the heartache and just, oh no, you know, what happened? Should have never brought him to begin with. You know, I told the prophet really not to do it. It wouldn't be a good idea. And here we go. So in verse 21, it says, She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. So what happens is she brought him up to that apartment, that room that she kind of made up for him, and puts him on the bed there thinking, I don't know what she's saying. Maybe something will happen. Maybe there's like something there in the bed that like will help him. And I don't know. So she puts him up there and shuts the door and goes out. So what does she do next? She calls her husband and says, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly. So she doesn't even tell him really what's happened here. She's just like, I got to go. Basically, get me the donkey. You know, get the car ready to go. You know, I got to go and find that man of God who always stays with us. And the husband goes, why do you want to go to him today? You know, it's not a special occasion. It's not the new moon. It's not the Sabbath. It's not church today. Like, what? what's the big urgency? So, apparently, uh, you know, her response is, it's all right, she goes. She goes, it's all right. She's, for whatever reason, she's just not telling him. So, in verse 24, it says, she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. Like, this is a mom driven by love and she is going to go get what she needs to get done. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Hey Gehazi, look, there's that Shunammite. Right? There's a lady we stay with. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you alright? Is your husband alright? Is your child alright? So he's probably getting a sense that something's up because she's coming out to see him. And so when Gehazi gets there, her response to him is, yeah, 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 everything's okay. 
And it says, so she wasn't satisfied with just really hooking up with Gehazi. She wants to go to the main guy and talk to him because this mom is not going to be denied at this point in time. She's going to make, get it done and make it happen. It says, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. So in verse 20 it says, Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? So Elisha said to his servant Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand and run. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. So they're gonna, he's going to run over there and maybe the staff will have some sort of you know, powers to it that God will work through and maybe heal the boy. So in verse 3 it goes, But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. She is not going to go. And you get a picture of a mom that's just holding on for dear life for a kid. She's like, no. We are going to do something about this. And you're not going anywhere until we get something out of this thing. You know, and it reminds me of my mom. She would just, Your mom loves you to that depth, man. And she's just, uh, numerous times I can just think of, my mom, I'm sticking up for my kids. I'm fighting for my kids. I'm st- even if you guys are wrong. You better not be wrong. But even if you are wrong, I'm fighting for my kids. I'm going for my kids. It's just relentless. And you see that picture of that. So, she says, I'm going to stay with them. And then, so we get down on verse 31. So Gehazi basically gets there. And he put the staff on the boy's face like he asked. But there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, Hey, nothing happened. So in verse 32 it says, When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on the couch. So somehow he got, you know, moved on the couch there. He went in, shut the door, and the two of them uh, prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed, kind of a weird scenario here, and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and he stretched himself out upon him. The boy's body grew warm, Elisha turned away, walked back and forth in the room, then got on the bed and did it again, and then said the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. It says Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. And when she came, he said, Take your son. And she came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. She took her son and went out. Right, so a lot of different dynamics going on in that story there. You have a woman who's... um, kind of seems like she runs a household a little bit. We don't really hear a lot really from uh, the husband other than, you know, go take him to his mom and then he asks what's going on. She's like, well, never mind, never mind. And he doesn't seem to really be a huge player really in the picture. It's kind of interesting. Um, she certainly has some challenges. She didn't ask for a son and then got one and then things went bad, went downhill. Um, and then we see her, you know, not taking no for an answer for her kids and comes back. So let's look at a couple of things uh, from the passage for us, at least as far as Mother's Day goes. Uh, is that on this one, Josh, or next one? There we go. So the first one that we see about this woman, as far as Mother's Day goes, her first interest were putting others first. That was her big thing. That's really how the whole thing got started. There's a man of God. Hey, when he comes into this area, we could really bless him and help him out. So... Let's go above and beyond, take him into our house, set everything up for him, 
and just make it easy for the guy. And she wasn't expecting anything in return because they even offered that and she didn't take it. And so she was curious. Uh, it's any way she could help and so she put them first. And moms with that heart of compassion and uh, gentleness, they just continuously, you've been around a mother like that and if your own mom was like that, uh, they're always putting their needs before. And that's why that quote, you know, with the four pieces of pie or whatever, is funny, you know, they will take... They're always taking them for the team. Forever. They're always putting the other needs first. Uh, the next thing that we see about the woman is her contentment. You know, when she was asked and she was provided an opportunity really to kind of make out and get some things, uh, she said, no, you know what? I'm okay. My life is okay. Where I'm at is okay. I, she couldn't have any kids. That's a pretty rough pill to swallow. As you read through the Bible, another passage that's kind of uh, popular to share on Mother's Day uh, is a story in the Old Testament uh, about a lady, uh, two ladies really, <laughs> one husband, uh, Hannah and Penina, and you know one of them is barren and she can't have a kid, and she is just really distraught with the whole thing, and it's just it just eats away at her and really difficult because again it was just. It almost made you really not feel like a woman if you couldn't like bear children and have kids. Really difficult. But with her, she just apparently trusted God and was okay with it and just had contentment in life with her situation and where she was at. And that verse up there is one that she really portrayed and did a good job with. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And she gives us a nice picture as far as what that looks like. Another thing that we see from her is really the thing that I really wanted to kind of look and focus in on a little bit was we see an unwavering faith of a Christian mother. Because you can have a mom, certainly that loves and that sacrifices for people. Uh, but when you tie in the faith element, that changes everything. Because it gives some real stability now to that mom and really eventually to the family. Because no matter what happens, whether she has a child, doesn't have a child, med you know, miraculously gets a child and then dies, we never see anything completely changing. Right? That faith is never unwavering. She just stays right by it. And she knows the man of God that did it and she's going to stay by him and see what God is going to do Despite that, and she is just trusting. She's solid with that. And you see the influence that it has. And you got to think that the faith was also right there in the very beginning. When she took him in. said, hey, this is a man of God. Let's have him stay here. So, that's the thing that really sticks out to me when you see this Shunammite lady. Man, she was just solid and committed to God and no matter what was going on in her life, going up or down, for the most part, you know, she saw it. And you know that her son that's getting older is going to see that. And I know that in my own life, in our lives, we can see how our moms have been during difficult times. That really speaks volumes to the kids as far as, you know, what's really going on and what's really important. And adds a huge dynamic now to the marriage as well for the husband and the wife. Just having them both be solid in each situation. So, what I wanted to do this morning, right, is keep Anna Jarvis proud. Right? Anna Jarvis, the one that started the whole thing. I wanted to just keep
keep that same kind of mindset. And so what we did, we hand out the carnations, right? Her whole deal was, I just want to appreciate my mom. I know how she sacrificed for me. Um, I know how she cared for me. And I want to celebrate that. And there are other women in life that do that that aren't mothers, but take on that role to other people. And that should be celebrated as well. And as a church, you know, we kind of twisted a little bit to where it's really a celebration of women who really live out these things. It's really what it is. So, on the inside of your bulletin, we also have, right, we got the letter template there. It says mom on the bottom, right? And I've, hopefully, all your Mother's Day stuff is set by now. But if it's not and you want to add a little something to it, uh, the handwritten letter to mom is a great idea. And if your mom is not here, you know, maybe she passed. Um, this is still valuable because it gives a nice opportunity to write down some of the most memorable things that happened with mom. You know, when did you guys laugh? When were you guys uh, sharing things? Uh, you can make notes and write down the times that you remember sacrifices that she made for you in case of the family. And then go back and read those things. And then now, you know, you take them and you say, God, you know, there's just some things that I missed and now that, you know, I've had to write them down, you know, I'm, just, I'm really appreciative for a lot of those things. And this is really a great help and reflection for all that. And if she is still alive, I can pretty much guarantee you she's going to love it. You know, what kind of stuff do you put in there? Well, kind of the same thing. Sacrifices that she made, good times that you had, maybe a story that, you know, that you guys have together, or maybe a time, you know, uh, uh, that just really sticks out in your head. And so I just think it's a great opportunity just to share and bless mom with, because those are things that will go the long way. And she might even put it on the fridge. Who knows, depending on how old you are. Um... So Mother's Day, Anna Jarvis, she, uh, really great intentions. I'm sure she didn't think of the extra baggage again that might come along with it, that it's a super painful day for some people. And, um, you know, women, women are, are still people and they're not perfect, but it also, if it's hard to write a letter and kind of get that stuff down, it is a good opportunity to try and settle some of that stuff that's even in our hearts and get some forgiveness and bitterness out of there that maybe we need to. And the process can start today because it's your mom that loved you. And if it is painful, you can't just forgive right away in a split second and just get that thing, okay, I just forgive you. I mean, you can say the words, but it's a process that takes time. And then maybe by next Mother's Day, you're a little bit closer to saying, yeah, you know, I really struggled and I can't even understand a lot of it. And there's situations and, and times where I probably even deserve an apology and don't get one. But I forgive her and that bitterness isn't there. You know, because that's what the real focus is about. So, uh, so let's stand and let's pray together. And thank God for our moms. Especially we've been blessed with some good moms. So God, we, uh, we thank you for blessing us with... Uh, good moms are. If we've been fortunate enough to have good moms that have really shown us what it means to uh, give of yourself and sacrifice uh, for the sake of the family, um, who's told us that they love us a million and one times, and so it's just, it's, 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 
it's there. There's no doubt that our moms love us. Um, we just thank you for them, Lord. And uh, we thank you for blessing us in that way because not everyone has that. And some people have totally uh, a different story. But we thank you and rejoice in the moms that we do have. And women that have come into our lives that even have taken a motherly role and helped us out, Lord, we just want to say thank you for them as well. Um, and as a group, Lord, we just pray that you would just bless those moms today and whatever the moms are going to do today, hanging out, getting brunch, or <laughs> moms are probably going to be helping other people doing other things because that's what moms do. We just pray that you would bless them and um, refresh them and uh, just really give them some great family time today, Lord. And so, God, we, uh, we thank you for this morning. And we pray that everybody can go out safely, Lord. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So, enjoy Mother's Day. Give your mom a big old squeeze. And if you get a chance, yeah, write the letter. I bet she's going to love it.